My guest today is Larry English. He is the author of Office Optional, How to Build a Connected Culture with Virtual Teams. And I have had a very insightful interview with him. He is the co-founder of a company called Sentry Consulting, and he built that company based on the values that he has. So I have had a few interviews uh, like that on the show in the past with people that have built consulting firms based on a certain set of value. And I've always admired that. That's really what represents the best, the concept behind the podcast, which is to build consulting business according to the lifestyle that you want to have and according to the value that you want to uh, provide. And I believe for him, it is a very specific case because it is someone that is competing with the big consulting firms. And it is someone that has actually created a big consulting firm because there are more than a thousand employees divided between the US and India. If you really like the episode and also really like the show, I invite you to not forget to uh, let us know what you think about it. I am available on uh, LinkedIn. You can also uh, find a link to the show and a contact link in the show notes as well. And there will also be a link to uh, order the book of Mr. Larry English. So uh, without further ado, let's start with the interview. Welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Diogen Tirandekura. On this show, you will discover the realities, the successes and the struggles of business management and information technology consultants in the fast-moving B2B world. So stay tuned if you want to know more about what it takes to have a consulting lifestyle. Hello and uh, welcome to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast, Larry English. Larry, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm very happy to have you. It's not every guest that has a book and I have the chance to read your book called Office Optional that I have here. It's really about building virtual teams and have a fully virtual company. What is particular is that you did not create it during the pandemic, but long before the pandemic started. So Larry, can you start by sharing your career story to the audience? Yeah, I'll try to give you the abbreviated version. <laughs> yeah. So all I've done my entire life is consulting. So I did it right out of college and I got a lot of different consulting model experience that led me to creating Centric with a few other friends. So the short version is I went right out of college. I worked for a large international consulting firm, which was awesome, an awesome experience. You grew your experience really fast. You grew your career really fast. The only downside is they work you a ton. So I worked every day, including Saturday and Sunday. During the week, I was working until 10 p.m. at night. Like I did that for five years straight. And I was like, this is all there is to life. I'm going to die. I can't keep up this pace. And so I just got married and talked to my wife. She also worked for the same consulting company. We had met there and talked her into, I was like, I got to go find myself. So we took a year off and we traveled, bought a one-way ticket to Iceland. We kept going around the world. And the whole idea was to try and find myself. And then it was on a beach in Bali that I realized that this wasn't it. And I needed to take some big risk in my life. Why not? And that's who I was, more entrepreneurial, kind of aligned with who I was as a person. And so I came back and I did a startup consulting company. Mm -hmm. And which was a great experience. What I didn't realize is the guy was trying to sell it the entire time. So what happens in a consulting company so often is they get sold and then, you know, everything dies, the culture dies and everybody kind of disperses. So I was like, I don't know if this is quite right. And then it was sold to publicly traded services firm, which I thought was kind of cool as well, except for after they bought us, they were like, Hey, you have to hit your numbers every 13 weeks or you're fired. And so all they cared about was stock price. And so I'm like, well, this isn't good either. And so, you know, I'm like, I've been through all these different consulting models. There's gotta be a better way. There has to be a way to take the good stuff that we love about consulting 
and get rid of the bad stuff. I talked to some of my friends that I had started with right out of college and we shared the same value system. And that's how we came up with the value system and what is centric today. That's great because you build a company based first on the value system that the co-founders have, not necessarily like, okay, let's go, let's do cannabis because this is a new industry and uh, we will make a lot of money. Good. And you are based in the United States, huh? Because you say you're traveling and you came back. Yeah. So we're in the US and then we have operations in India as well. So we have about 1100 people in the US and India. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so uh, something that comes back a lot in the book is the notion of uh, creating a virtual culture. I believe that is something that is very important, but what is the culture at uh, Centric? So you spoke a little bit about the culture at the startup company, where it was about making the number, trying to sell. And then when it's sold, making the numbers as quickly as possible. So you have to sell, you have to sell, you have to sell. So what is the, the difference with uh, Centric? Sure. So I'll try and explain what we did that we thought was different than everywhere else and what we thought was better. The name Centric actually comes from centering everything we do around employee happiness and client happiness, those two things. And we were trying to build a company where we're happy. And so to us from consulting, that one that meant we thought people could have better work-life balance because often in consulting, you don't. And one of the ways you could do that was by being remote. So people could spend more than they weren't at a client site. They could spend more time with their family. So we've been remote for 20 years and figured out how to do that. We also develop more of a local focus. You know, we're trying to serve clients in the city where we worked and lived so you could have better work-life balance and be home, coach your kids' soccer games and that sort of thing. We tried to build with a huge focus on culture as a company and being happy. And so we do all kinds of crazy stuff to live up to that. So as an example, we take everybody and their significant other someplace fun once a year just to have a great time. We have had to cancel because of the pandemic, but this upcoming year, assuming it doesn't go bad again, then we're going to go to Cabo in next January. So other things that we do, we don't like politics. So we try to eliminate politics in our company. A lot of the big companies are up or out, uh, meaning you have to get promoted or you're fired. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want that. We wanted people to be able to have a rewarding career and retire with us. And so we've designed that. So that's an employee perspective and how we're a little bit different than from a client focus. You've seen this consulting uh, companies, they just run over the client, you know, they just like leave a wake of dead bodies in their path. We didn't want that. And so we wanted it to be where we treated and cared for the client's business the same way we care for our own. And one of the cool things is it was the client team and our consulting team are one and the same. There's no differentiation. And so a lot of times you can't tell who's the client and who's the centric employee. And that's exactly the way we want it. We do things like if we sign up to deliver something, we always deliver no matter what. Even if we make a mistake and it costs us money, we're going to deliver. And then the last thing I would say is the same way we have a focus on service, the same way you would think of Disney is known for service in the entertainment industry, we want to be known for service in the consulting industry. And so those are just a few examples of how we're different. That's a lot of examples that you've provided, and that's very interesting. I think the one that caught my attention is the local focus. How did you manage to build that, knowing that the cost of living is not the same in New York versus uh, Hawaii, for example? And maybe the companies don't have the same financial means to pay for your services. So are you flexible also with regards to that? Yeah. So every city is a little bit different in the makeup of the city, the skills in that city. And then the salaries are different and the rates are different. And so we match those to the cities. Now, what is interesting is we still think relationships matter. And so we still think that location matters. Certainly, so the pandemic has changed things so that it is certainly now more possible to deliver services remotely anywhere in the world. And so I think that will change how consulting companies operate going forward. 
it will change us a little bit, but we still are very much focused on making sure relationships matter. As you said, you were saying that you were working long hours, Saturdays and Sundays. People that are doing that, they do it in the hope of going up in the organization. So usually they get exhausted and they leave if they see that they don't have a promotion. So in your case, the company exists since 20 years and uh, you do have employees that are here since many years. So uh, how do you retain your workforce? How do you uh, keep them in the company and keep them interested into servicing your uh, clients? Yep. So when this was early on, we loved our culture and we loved the people that were there. And we looked at it and we're like, but the only way we're going to keep them is for them to have a great career with a lot of variety. We need to grow. So we knew that we we're going to have to grow to create a rich career experience for the people that were here. And so we set out to do that and we set out to do it in a way that wouldn't compromise our culture. So as we grew, our culture was not lost. And so we've worked on doing both of those things. And so as we've grown, we sell more services, we create more roles for people. And so now people can have a rewarding career here. And they can kind of grow through all the different levels. Gosh, just last month, we promoted our first person that we hired out of college to partner. And so wow. now we have that career progression. And the other thing is I'm starting to see, you know, this year, several partners are retiring from the company. We already have multiple retirements from the company. So that makes me feel great that we've created that environment. Yeah, absolutely great. One thing as well that is related to how do you keep people, it's something that is very interesting in the book as well is when you talk about leadership development and the centric leadership traits. So can you maybe talk about it now that you actually have a young graduate that came up to a partner? So that's definitely leadership development. Yeah. So when we were looking at, gosh, how do we scale our culture and not mess it up? The one secret is if you have leaders that match your culture across your organization, you can scale to whatever size that you want. But those leaders need to really live and match your culture. And so when we realized that, it then became about making sure you're hiring people on the front end that have kind of those core attributes or value system that you can't teach, that they have to have no matter what. So as an example, we look for kind, collaborative people that that's very hard to teach if somebody doesn't naturally have it. Mm -hmm. And then once they're here, It is developing not only their leadership skills that are, you know, you know, how do you give yourself leverage and all those kinds of basic skills, but you also are teaching them how to lead with our value system. So how we treat people and how it's different than everywhere else. You want them to really understand that and that to be kind of built into their leadership skill set. Yeah. What you have just said, kind and collaborative. So I think a lot of companies might mention that as well in their job description, but do they really apply that is something else? So have you ever had pushbacks maybe in the past? saying, uh, okay, you want to build a consulting company based on those values. This is a dream. <laughs> If you were sharing the values which you want to build centric to other consultants or other consulting firm owners or people close to that industry, would they believe in it or were they thinking that maybe uh, this is not something that you do in the industry? So a couple of different ways to answer that. The first one is if you are doing a good job being transparent in the interview process and you share what you value as a company, people will self-select out if they don't believe in that value system. We don't care what anybody's title is. We could care less. If I have to work on the proposal team and the best thing I can do is like to format a resume as the president, I will do it. It doesn't matter, but some people are very focused on titles. So um, we, we're transparent in the interview process. If that's important to them, we're like, hey, this is not the place for you. You're not going to be happy here because it's so costly to bring somebody in. You just want to say, this is who we are. It's okay if you don't believe in that or don't value the same thing we do. Let's just not work together. In the end, um, it works out that way. As far as other companies, we work with a lot. Usually it's a collegiate respect for each other. 
consulting world is great right now. The business is great right now. So there's no need to be adversarial, I guess. Mm -hmm. It it Mm -hmm. tends to be much more collaborative in in my experience. I did not ask that uh, before, but what type of consulting services do you actually uh, provide? So we do both everything on the business consulting side. So Lean Six Sigma as an example, or change management, um, org design, all of that. And then certainly on the, the technology side, everything to do with digital transformation from customer experience journey mapping to AI, machine learning, cloud. We do NetSuite, Salesforce. We are pretty wide in our offerings now. That's indeed a very wide. There is also a digital transformation into it. So, okay, we are at the moment where we record. We are in August 2021. Have you seen since March 2020 a change with regards to the pandemic that started? A change both maybe internally and also externally with your clients or partners? A couple of things. Because we've been remote for 20 years, the pandemic happened. And I think it was like March 13th, everybody records. It's kind of the date that it all went down last year. Because we've been remote, all we did is we flipped a switch basically. And the next day on Monday, we opened completely as a remote company and we didn't even skip a beat. There's no difference than the last 20 years. So we were really well positioned as a company. Now, what has changed, which is really interesting, is the pandemic has caused, because every industry was already getting disrupted because of technology, but it's accelerated that. So all these companies experienced during the pandemic, customers went to digital channels and adopted those, and they don't want to go back now. So every company has to adopt digital channels. And they also need to digitally transform to be hybrid companies because their employees want to be remote. Their customers want to interact that way, so they got to get to the cloud. They have to do this digital transformation. So everybody's doing this now, and that's great for our business. What is not so great for everybody is it's it's caused a tech talent war. And so we're seeing salary surges and escalation across almost every skill set that everybody's having to deal with right now. Yeah, the workforce market, if I can say it like that, has become even more globalized. Okay. You mentioned the word hybrid uh, company. What do you mean uh, behind that? Sorry, I talk about it all the time. So sometimes I forget to define it. So the simplest explanation is most organizations, when I say they will adopt a hybrid workplace, means that they will have physical office space, but then they will also have many of their employees working remotely. So you have this combination of your workforce working sometimes remote, maybe sometimes co-located, maybe somewhere else, and then maybe sometimes in the office. And so you support that entire ecosystem of allowing a worker to work in any of those locations. And that is not easy to do. The implications of that are there's everything from HR policies to getting everything, all your systems to the cloud, to security, to how you lead and make sure that your leaders know how to lead virtual employees. So there's a lot to it. It's hard. But most companies, are you're seeing them adopt it because workers love it. And there's enough companies that now do it. If your company doesn't offer it, more than likely your employee is going to quit and they're going to go to somebody that does. Yes, indeed. Very good. Thanks for the definition. Sometimes some companies, famous companies, I don't know, like Spotify or things like that. I don't want to give too many names, but they have a work from anywhere policy. They start to have that. So you can go in the office or you can decide to work remotely and doesn't even have to be your home or your hometown. Also at the start, because it was not common for consulting companies to be virtual, how at the start, like about 20 years ago, your clients, how did they react to the fact that you were a virtual company? It's interesting. Clients, for the most part, did not have an issue. It was so rare that they cared. They never wanted to come to your office anyway. So 
I think maybe a handful of times, like one hand where they said, hey, can we come to your office? And we said, we don't have one. But they were more concerned, like almost always is what have you done? What are your case studies? What's your experience? What's your capability? They were more worried about that. Now, employees, it was a little bit different. What was funny is I had to speak to a lot of spouses because they didn't believe we were a real company because we didn't have office space. And so they were reluctant to have their spouse join us because they thought we were just some fly-by-night company. So I had a lot of those conversations. So it was a little harder to convince employees or potential employees that we were the real deal. And they're like, I can't work from home. There's no way I could do that. There's too many distractions. And then they would do it kind of like what has happened during the pandemic. They're like, oh, wait, this is awesome. Um, I don't want to go back to being in an office. Your team is huge. I mean, you mentioned uh, 1,100 employees approximately, and you have two countries. So in the United States and India. So were you thinking as soon as you started, like 20 years ago, were you already thinking, okay, we will also have some branches in India? No. What happened was as we got bigger and we were regularly going up against bigger competitors, let's say IBM and Accenture, Oracle and those, when we were competing against them, they were beating us consistently because of technology projects, they had a lower average bill rate. Mm -hmm. And so our clients are like, look, we love you but you need to lower your rate by having offshore resources. And so we knew if we were going to stay in the technology game, we needed to develop an offshore business or capability. And so we did that. Gosh, it's probably been eight years ago and it's been incredible. It's been wonderful. We have the same culture in India as we do here in the US, the same people that value the same thing. And so it's been wonderful for our organization. That's interesting as well. I mean, it's the centric identity, so it remains there. You're in a market where indeed you compete with those giants, but what about, maybe you can confirm that to me, but it seems to me that there are more players. I mean, the top of the industry remains the top of the industry, but there are more players that can service medium-sized companies. Is it something that you have seen also across the last two decades? Yeah, it depends on the city and it depends on the capability and it depends on the industry. So there's players in all of those, but I don't really worry too much about it, honestly, mm -hmm. because we know if we go in with our value system and how we deliver and how we care for employees, you know, we have great capability that's as good as anybody else's. We know that we're going to retain our customers. We know we're going to win work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And consulting is mostly also a long-term relationship business, not a transactional uh, one. So that's also very important. Okay. And um, when you created the company, you were how many co-founders versus now? How many uh, partners uh, are there? So when we started, there were a handful of partners and now there's, I don't know, 55, 60 plus partners. Wow. That's great. Okay. That's a big one. And um, you were talking about a differentiator. One of your differentiators is the work-life balance. Of course, it's provided when you um, enable people to work from home or from anywhere, but are there any other... You also mentioned the day in which you invite every employee and his or her spouse to come. Are there any other uh, specific initiatives that you take with regards to that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we have unlimited PTO. So we don't require that you have to take so many days. It's up to you. Self-managed. We encourage people to take vacation. We want people to take vacation because I believe that you're fresher and you are happier and you're a better person <laughs> when you are refreshed. And so what was interesting during last year, during the pandemic, Nobody was taking any time off. And I think everybody was freaked out. And it's a little hard to travel too. But once kind of everything settled down a little bit that summer, we were actively encouraging people like, go take some time off. This is stressful for everybody. Please go do that. And in fact, if I have a leader that isn't taking any vacation, I go to them and I talk to them because I want them to set a good example for everybody that's working for them, that that's how you're going to have a long-term career is making sure that you take regular time off for your mental self and self-help health and developing relationships outside of work. 
Yeah, that is so important. We have it um, the wrong way, thinking that the hustling and hustling is, is the only way for success, but it's not. <laughs> Damaging for our mental and, uh, and physical health at the end. Okay, that's great. I think we have covered quite a lot as well. Also, yeah, you mentioned that there is no focus on titles. So is it a pretty kind of flat organization? What I think you'll see is most organizations are going to become much more agile. So that 1950s style of management that came out of World War II with, you know, <laughs> military hierarchical style. That doesn't work in the fast-paced ways of today. And so we're seeing, it's interesting, Agile started kind of obviously in the IT department and the IT space, but it's moved to everywhere. You're seeing all parts of the organization adopt Agile principles, and now you're seeing it applied to strategy as well. And so the implications of that are you need also an org structure that supports that. And so it tends to be much more you know, teams that spin up and down and are a little bit more flat. The other interesting thing that's happening is because everybody now has installed, you know, they're using Teams or Slack, they're generating all of this data of how the organization operates. And so you actually have an x-ray of how your company is doing. It's like a digital MRI. And what's going to happen, the professors that study this is it has, what it does is because people have so much access to information, you don't need the middle management layer. And so it delayers companies and you're going to have people closer to the customer and you're going to see fewer layers in organizations. And so it's an interesting trend to watch. Very good example as well that you are setting. So it could be maybe the last question. How do you keep your creativity and your mind up to date with how you can retain your people and keep the culture alive? Are you inspired by other companies or other CEOs with what they do and try to bring it into centric? Yeah. So culture is, you know, it's a living entity is the best way to think of it. It's as important as your company's strategy and it's constantly evolving as times change. And so we treat it that same way. And so we are constantly evaluating new ways to improve our culture. And so we have things like we have a, a voice of the employee team, which is made up of a cross section of employees with right out of college to somebody who's been here 20 years and they rotate through this. And so whenever they bring new ideas to us, or if we have a policy change, we bring it to them to see how they would react to it. And certainly we bring in, as new people join us, they bring ideas and we're looking for those constantly looking for those best ideas to evolve our culture and make it better. So you really look internally and you have enough people to bring all those new ideas. My last question for you, what does having a consulting lifestyle or the centric consulting lifestyle mean? As I said, all I've ever done is consulting. And there's a lot of people like me where you love to constantly learn and you want variety and you want fast paced change and challenge. And so I think that all of us are like a kindred spirits. You're a career consultant because you love what that means, that lifestyle. And then we've taken that and we've applied kind of the centric model to that, which some people are like, this is like consulting nirvana. This is amazing. You know, you don't have all that bad stuff. And I get to really do all the things I love about consulting and I don't have to deal with any of the politics or any of that other stuff. So we're just trying to be happy. And I think we've achieved that. Yeah. Congratulations uh, for that, Larry, and all your uh, co-founders and all the people at Centric. So it was a very, very interesting uh, interview. So now I'm going to try to show the office optional book. If people want to get in touch with you, where can they uh, find you? Yeah. LarryEnglish.net is the easiest way to do it. I'm also on LinkedIn. I think it's Larry K. English or Larry English. Okay. We'll make sure to also uh, put that in the show notes. Larry, it was a great pleasure to have you. And it's really an embodiment of the consulting lifestyle, really changing, creating a whole company based on a specific values. Thank you. Fun discussion. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Consulting Lifestyle Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes if you have enjoyed the episode. 
and subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified to hear other episodes with your host Diogène Tirandecourant.